All right, we are back for another episode of the Dynasty Drive, and I'm joined tonight by Jacob Sanderson. Jacob does good work with Fantasy Intervention, Roto Underworld, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast. So, Jacob, I appreciate you taking some time after you finish up with college exams and talk running backs, baby. We're running the damn ball. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm always happy to talk about running backs. Uh, I draft them early. I draft them often. Uh, they're they're fully incorporated into my brand. So this is this is this is my bread and butter here. I'm excited to talk about about some backs, especially this really brutal 2021 class of running backs. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Like it's a it's a weird draft class, and we'll get to it in a second. Uh, but since it's draft week, obviously, so we'll talk about those guys. But before we get into some of that. Uh, looking back at last year's draft class, now a year removed from mm-hmm. we were just talking about uh, privately before we went live, the you know Clyde Edwards-Alaire hype kind of going wild after the landing spot got found out. Looking back at last year's draft class, how did you have those guys ranked coming into the season, and has anything really changed substantially for you heading into this year from from a year ago? Yeah, so I think like the two biggest changes. Uh, Clyde's gone down. So I, I was all own up to it. I was a sucker. Uh, I, I had Clyde as my one Oh one preseason, not pre-draft, but preseason. Um, I really liked Clyde pre-draft. This wasn't a scenario where he was like my RB six or my RB seven and he vaulted up the board. Uh, he was my third favorite in the class going into the draft. I, I really, really value pass catching at running back. Uh, and Clyde was an outstanding pass catcher at LSU and, and still I think is at Kansas city. Um, uh, he bumped up to the one spot. Wasn't a good move for me. He's now, of those guys, I think I'd probably put him sixth, actually. And that's not because I think he's dust. I actually think Clyde's a massive buy this year, and, and we'll talk about that. But right now, I'd have Taylor in the one chair. He's been my RB1 overall. Uh, I set him in that position first when Marlon Mack uh, tore his Achilles. Got a little bit hairy for a while. But, I mean, I, I got to support my guy. I'm a Colts fan. I love Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, I hope to see him running the ball, running the damn ball for, you know, five, six, seven years in a Colts uniform. So he's he's my one. Swift is one of my favorite prospects that's come out the last while. Like I said, I really love pass catching at running back. And especially with a guy like Swift, he's got that uh, prototypical workhorse size as well, plus the pass catching, plus the athleticism. To me, he's a total package. I have him as my RB4 overall in Dynasty, and he's my second guy. Uh, then I go Akers, Dobbins, Gibson, Clyde, and all all six of those guys are in my top 12 overall. And uh, Robinson, I guess, would be the seventh for me. I'm just I, – I just – I don't know. I mean, he had a fantastic season last year, and I certainly wouldn't want to take, take anything away from that. I thought he was really great at Illinois State, um, and he was someone that – I remember our first podcast that I recorded, uh, the Full Tilt Show with Tom and Billy last year. Uh, I remember it was like a hot take, but I was saying I like James Robinson more than Reichwell Armstead and Divine Zigbo. <laughs> uh, and so at that point, I guess I was a James Robinson truther. And at this point, I guess I'm a James Robinson hater, uh, just because to me, he's a really good uh, plotting back, but he still is that kind of not elite athleticism, you know, not an extra special guy in the past game to me he's like the best possible version of like that david montgomery archetype and to me that's just doesn't quite have the same long-standing ceiling as the others but i think that's a good uh a good point at how you tied in montgomery there because robinson similar to montgomery is a guy that i look at my rankings and i think 
man, he should be higher based on last year, but I just can't, I can't do it. Like, I don't know where you have Robinson overall. I'm looking now. I have him as my running back 21 and I, it's not that I don't like him. I like him just fine, but it's kind of that combination of, like you said, plotting runner. And I worry that I always am a little worried when it's a running back without the draft capital investment. Mm -hmm. Like it just feels like, especially a team with assets to go whichever direction they want in the draft. And I don't think, you know, they'll make a play for Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or anything like that. They could, uh, but I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to be committed to him and, or have him ranked as, you know, a back end RB one, right. even a high end RB two. Um, Cause who knows, right? Like I, I, I mean, speaking from Cole's perspective, like I think I thought Marlon Mack was a really good running back. Uh, sure. You know, maybe he's not anything anymore because of the Achilles. But of course, this time last year, we didn't know he was going to go and tear his Achilles the first week of the season. And I thought he was a really good running back. And they felt, you know, they wanted to go get Jonathan Taylor. So would it would it shock me if James Robinson got replaced? Absolutely not. Um, and it, it wouldn't shock me if someone from that mid-range of running backs comes in and makes it closer to an even split because he didn't compete with anyone last year. I mean, anyone. Like, right while Armstead, At bless all. his heart. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm still concerned for his health. I, I honestly hope he's okay, right? Like, I think he had a very serious bout with COVID. Sure. Divina Zigpo is like, I don't know, like, he's not good. Chris Thompson, super washed. And that was all. That was all they had. Uh, so, you know, what, what is there with James Robinson? Like we're, we don't know for sure if he can hold off a legitimate challenger. And that's, I, I just looked at my rankings while you're talking, you have him 21, I have him 22. So okay. pretty much similar range. I am right ahead of Montgomery, who I believe I have at RB 24. Uh, yeah, I and have him right by it too. Montgomery, I have RB 19. So it's yeah. right in that same range. Yeah. That's like the, I just, I don't know. I, I, I have a type at running back and it's, it's usually folks that catch passes and or have high-end burst and speed. And with Robinson, he's got adequate burst. He's a no on the speed column. And he's, you know, he looked good as a pass catcher last year, but they didn't have any options to throw to out of the running back position. Nothing from his college production would dictate to me that he is, you know, a difference-making pass catcher. I don't think he was a difference-making pass, pass catcher last year. So that's, that's where I'm a little bit lower on James Robinson. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I think he was a pass catcher because he needed to be a pass catcher last yeah. year. They didn't have a better option to be a pass catcher. And uh, I think regardless of what kind of investment kind of inevitably gets made at running back for the Jaguars, he probably loses some of that, you know, pass catching right. market share in that backfield. But in terms of guys this year, drafts only a couple days away. Who are your guys, man? Who are your top five right now heading into the draft class? We'll, yeah. we'll compare notes. Okay, sounds good. So I, I actually like I have a clear cut top three. It's the same top three I think is you know everyone else. It isn't nuts. Um, Travis Etienne is my number one. That's probably a little bit uh, off the cuff. I think most people probably have Najee Harris there. Like I said, I, I value that athleticism and I value the pass catch and running back. I haven't found that athleticism in my work necessarily correlates a ton to hit rate, but. Amongst those who do hit top 24 seasons, especially those that end up presenting as those top 12 backs, the folks that continue to be top 12 backs year over year over year tend to have plus size and plus burst, and they tend to have uh, a history of pass catching contributions going back to the college level. So when I get a guy like Travis Etienne, who comes in just under 80th percentile speed, 
just under 65th percentile burst, which those are kind of where I look for at my RB1 level. And he has a really strong pass catching track record. And he has the proper size. I, I just can't pass that up. Uh, especially when I look at a guy like Javante Williams, who I really enjoy. I think he's a fantastic running back. Uh, I think especially he's the only 21-year-old of those top three, and that's appealing to me in terms of when his production was. But I just don't see top five running back style upside with him. I think he's more of that Chris Carson, James Robinson, David Montgomery type of guy. Uh, I think the high end is maybe you look at a guy like a Melvin Gordon who sort of became that pass catching running back, you know, into his career. But I still don't foresee a ton of big plays in Javante's. And then Najee Harris, who's who's my RB3, I just, to me, there's just too many question marks. Like I, I love his tape, but I struggle to rank someone in RB1, at least in my process, purely based off of tape while playing at Alabama as a 22-year-old. Uh, right, he's going to be 23 coming in the NFL. That's quite old for running back prospect. And it doesn't concern me as much from a longevity perspective because these guys are kind of one contract players to me anyways. But it matters to me in terms of how can I accurately judge his skill level when he looks like a man among boys because he literally is a man among boys. Like he's the only <laughs> dude on the field that can order a beer after the game. So that's a concern to me. And that's why he's three even though I think on tape, you know, he might look like the best in the class. That's my top three. I round out my five with Chuba at four and Kenny Gainwell at five. And I don't feel great about either. I think there's like six or seven guys that I could make RB4, RB5, especially with, you know, draft capital about to come in and landing spots. But I think after those three, like there's no one I would be particularly comfortable placing a bet on being a top 12 running back at any time soon. Where, where do you stand? It's a weird group. It really is. It's the top three. And I forget who I was talking about this with recently, but it's the top three. And then I feel like it's stack them however you like them. Like whatever right. your type is, it's it's kind of a mess after that. Um, I have Najee Harris, number one. Um, yeah. But it's funny you say, you know, a man amongst boys, a good friend of mine, uh, Peter Trano, who's been on the show frequently, texted me today and said, I just realized Najee Harris is like a grandfather in running back years. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a good chuckle out of it. Um, He's a well, year older than Cam Akers and CH or more than a year older than them right now. It's so like, it really surprised me that he didn't declare last year. And yeah. I, it just kind of felt like, well, I feel good about being RB1 next year. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> not in, not in last yeah, year's class. Fair point. Uh, but I have Najee Harris one, ETN two. Uh, agreed. I love ETN, it, and it's close. Like I hate to use the cop out of like oh one A one B, but it's really close for me between those mm-hmm. two guys. Uh, I love Travis Etienne's upside athletically. I think he uh, showed the development that I wanted to see as a pass catcher the last year at Clemson. I think he can be a weapon in the run game in the pass game pretty instantly early on in his pro career. And then again, I have Javante three. Um, and you, I think you might be the only guy that has Chuba Hubbard higher than me. I, like, oh, really? Yeah. I'm not even like pro Chuba. I, <laughs> I came into this draft season <laughs> expecting to be an anti Chuba person. And he started as my RB seven and he's moved up by default. He's like dragged <laughs> me to RB four because all of these other jabronis just fail. They fail in front of my eyes. It's like Jamar Jefferson. I want to like you. Oh, it turns out you're smaller than I expected. Slower than I expected. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. You're, you're done. He had to hop in and let us know that Najee is ancient. <laughs> <laughs> who, who else though, I'm thinking of? Uh, oh, yeah, Elijah Mitchell can't make up his mind. Right at the senior bowl, he's 215. 
Then he comes out, he runs a 4-4. I'm like, 4-4, 2-15, here we go. <laughs> oh, now he's 201. <laughs> Michael Carter, turns out he's small and slow. Uh, Trey Sermon, slow. Kylan Hill, slow. So I'm looking at all these guys, I'm like, well, I guess Chuba was good last year, and maybe if I just apply some amnesia, then I can feel good about him at RB4. It's really weird for him. So after the top three, I have Kenny Gainwell four and Chuba Hubbard yeah. five. Um, but I like watching Chuba in 2019 versus 2020. It's like two totally different players. Like, yeah, it's so, so weird because 2020 was obviously forgettable. Like there's really, there's really nothing good to say about mm-hmm. it. Like you almost have to just throw it out if you are, you know, buying into him as a player. But 2019, when I went back and watched some of that, um, a couple months ago or even a couple weeks ago, I was like, obviously, you know, the speed, the long runs, all that good stuff. You know, he ran for 2000 yards and scored 20 rushing touchdowns, whatever. But so many positive things that you see in 2019, you didn't see at all in 2020. Like, Oh wow. Look at these runs where he's showing off great vision running on the inside, like perfectly identifying the right hole and following his blocks. And it's like, he was a totally different player in 2020. So yeah, I'm still in on him in the top five, but it is kind of a product of everybody else behind him. Um, it's, I hate like the cop out of its landing spot dependent, but you know, if a team invests, you know, day two, early day two capital in somebody like Trey Sermon, like, okay, he probably comes up a little bit on my yeah. board just because of, of the investment. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mess outside of those top five guys. It's like, well, do you want big and slow or small and slow? Like, it's, it's <laughs> kind just, of what they no all one are. has the full picture, right? It's like, and that's that's with Chuba. The only reason why he's still RB four for me, and I should clarify, in my overall rookie rankings in Superflex, like I have the top three ranked six, eight, nine, and then I don't have another running back until twenty one, which is Chuba. So between ten and twenty, it's Mac Jones and ten receivers. That's that's sort of how I feel about this running back class. It's about right. The, the only reason I'm there with Chuba is if I just look at all of these guys in the second tier, right? You mentioned Gainwell, Michael Carter, Kylan Hill, Jamar Jefferson, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Trey Sermon. If there's someone I'm missing, my apologies. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Like, can I picture this guy being an RB1? And I don't mean a Mike Davis RB1, where you look at the end of the season, it's like, <laughs> oh, this guy is an RB1. No, like, get that out of here. Like, a guy that you go into your startup draft one day, and you're like, I actually really want to draft this guy, and you're drafting him in the top 12 running back picks. And to me, like, Kenny Gainwell, no chance. He's too small. Michael Carter, no chance. He's too small, and he's too slow. You know, all these other guys, plotters. Whereas Chuba, at least he's theoretically fast. He didn't actually run fast in the 40. Um, Supposedly, he's an Olympian. Uh, I don't understand. And yet he ran how, like four five three, so I don't really know what to do with that. But I don't understand how everybody else fast. ran four three at their pro day except Chuba. <laughs> yeah, so the, every other pro day, theoretically he's fast, uh, and he's his size is not actually that good. Like he's too tall for his weight, right? Like if he was like five nine two ten, I like five nine two ten. I don't like six one two ten. That's too upright and usually easy to tackle, which coalesces with what I actually see on film. It's it's very Kenyon Drake, Tevin Coleman to me. Um, but we've seen those guys look good. So I think if Chuba's in a scheme with a really good offensive line and where, you know, it's a zone scheme where all he has to do 
is just run in one direction, make one cut, not put a lot of thought into it, and he just gets to be a one-cut runner with a great offensive line. I think he's going to break some big plays. And he's a better runner from a power perspective. He's more elusive. He's much better at everything in the open field. Mm-hmm. Like once he's behind the line, it's he he just doesn't process well, in my opinion. Like I think he starts getting in his head. He doesn't see things quickly. He doesn't see things open up that quickly. He's very easy to bring down, I think, behind the line of scrimmage. And he's not very good in the receiving game in that way. But once he gets out moving, he seems to process a lot better. So I, I'm, I'm on board with Chuba in the right landing spot. But he's a guy like if you put him on like the Jets or whatever, forget it. Yeah, I honestly, for Chuba's fantasy sake, I'm hoping he ends up on like Atlanta. Like I'd I mean, love, fantastic. I would love Atlanta as a landing spot. Yeah. Like I'm smash drafting him in the second round of rookie drafts if he goes. Absolutely. Atlanta. Like he, I love that for him so much. But it's weird because. I can kind of see him having a pretty decent fall in the draft. Like, I don't yeah. know that it's a lock. He goes like, I don't think I don't feel confident. He's going second round at all. And no, no, I think there's no. a chance he falls out of day two entirely. To uh, me, the only guy who could get drafted second round other than the ones who are actually good is Trey Sermon because he's yeah. just like the kind of running back that NFL people like more than they should. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And I guess, after we've kind of just crapped all over this <laughs> running back group yeah. for this year, uh, we've kind of answered already. This year's class of running backs, it doesn't even compare to last year. Last year was no. so exciting, so across the board. Is there anybody this year, like ETN's your top guy, where does he rank comparatively to prospects coming into the draft last year with uh, with those guys? Man, it's tough. Like. So coming into the draft, I guess, higher, because obviously as a prospect, you know, I didn't have Antonio Gibson or James Robinson anywhere near where where they'd be ranked now. Purely as a prospect, to me, he's definitely behind Taylor, Swift, Akers, Dobbins. And again, I I had higher last year. If I sort of went through the process that I go through this year, it's a lot more refined. Clyde would have been five for me last year. Um, And I think ETN would have been above him. So I guess five. But to me... Nobody in this class, not Harris or ETN, uh, or certainly not Williams, uh, are, are are above Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, Akers. I mean, there you have four dudes who basically hit all of the marks, right? Like, they're all the proper bell cow size. Yeah. They all were early declares. Uh, they all have plus athleticism, you know, ranging from adequate to plus, plus, plus. Yeah. And all of them had uh, sufficient target share. So pretty much everything you want in a running back prospect were, are those four. I mean, you've got the juice, you've got the skills, and they had the draft capital, which essentially like the draft capital to me is like an approximation of film, right? Sure. So all of those guys, like pretty much from the second they were drafted last year, like the one drama I've been banging is just whatever you do, get as many of those 2020 backs as you can because so often in Dynasty, we're always deciding between – do we want running backs uh, because they're going to produce the most right now? Or do we want wide receivers or quarterbacks super flex because of the shelf life? And to me, those 2020 backs, like this is your one chance to get workhorse backs with juice, with pass catching upside, and that are all only 21 or 22. So you get to keep them for the entirety of the rookie contract. And you just yeah. don't even have to worry about running back if you can get two or three of those guys. And 
yeah, to me, if there's, I've seen some people that say Harris would be like the RB1 or the RB2 compared to last year's class. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. So if I could, if I have the 103 in a super flex draft or the 101 in a 1QB draft, and I could even get Gibson or Akers or Dobbins for Harris, I, easily I would do that. 100% I would do that. Yeah, it's tough for any of them to rank, especially over guys like Taylor. I mean, Taylor was special and kind of overthought a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. I, I remember, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I remember looking at it last year when everybody was freaking out about how many times he fumbled the ball in college. And it was like he had whatever the. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, like seven million carries. <laughs> yeah, it was an astronomical number. <laughs> like you look at it, and it's a total drop in the bucket. It <laughs> was so so ridiculous that anybody got wound up over it. But moving on from rookies this year, guys that were drafted last year, and it could be a guy that was drafted last year, but a back who's already in the league that mm -hmm. you're expecting to take that step, whether it was from last year uh, as a rookie or a guy who's already been in for two or three years. Somebody that you're expecting, I guess, sort of that pseudo breakout from this year to kind of vault himself into fantasy stardom, hopefully. Yeah, so I'm famously picky with running backs. I don't own the old running backs really at all. I, I just It scares me too much from a value perspective. And I'm picky in terms of the attributes they have to have. So there's not a whole lot of running backs that I willingly invite on my team, especially <laughs> you know the ones that have been in, a, in there for a few years. But... The one dude who I'm I'm actively targeting this year, who I think some folks are down on, is Miles Sanders. Uh, he's when I when I did my article, uh, my first article, player profiler, I looked at guys that are being drafted as RB ones already in Dynasty, and how many of those people actually become, or how many of those running backs actually become RB ones in the future, and how many do it multiple times. And specifically, I was looking at your speed score, your burst score, so size-adjusted athleticism, and your pass catching. And Miles Sanders is the only guy on my whole pool over the last, I think it was seven or eight years we went back, that hits those thresholds that was once drafted as an RB1 in Dynasty and hasn't yet hit that RB1 mark. I, I think there's no reason really going into this year why we shouldn't feel as good about Sanders as we felt last year. Right Last year, he was being drafted as a borderline first-round, second-round pick in Dynasty prior to the start of the season, and he looked good. The only problems that have happened to Sanders since that was he got injured uh, a few times. That really hurt his production. A coach who's no longer employed there felt the need to throw to Boston Scott more times than anyone needed to ever see a ball from to Boston Scott. And then Carson Wentz completely, you know, vomited all over himself all year in Philly. Miles Sanders was really, really good when they had Jalen Hurts in that offense. He was one of the best running backs towards the end of the season. He was extremely efficient from a real-life perspective all year last year. And the only running back of note that they went out and signed is Jordan Howard, who is nothing. They now have a really bad team. I can't imagine they're going to spend a pick, a high-value pick, on another running back with this bad of a roster right now. So no I think you're going to get another year of Miles Sanders as a 70% plus snap share guy with Jalen Hurts in that offense. And I think with a new coach coming to town, why, why not see more pass game work for Miles Sanders? They don't have anyone to throw to, right? It's Goddard, it's Rager, and I'm sure they'll add someone in the draft, but they now move back to 12. So previously, right, we were thinking they're probably going to get Jamar Chase. Now it's going to be, I don't know, maybe it's Smith, maybe it's Waddle, maybe they don't take a wide receiver in, in round one, right? It's possible that all three of those guys are even gone by 12. 
So I think there's still going to be a lot of targets there. And to me, Miles Sanders has a lot of safety, at least for this year, based on that role security and a ton of upside based off of what kind of prospect he was, what kind of athleticism he has, and what kind of pass catching ceiling we've seen, where it wouldn't surprise me at all if he has, you know, this kind of year similar to a Dalvin Cook third year, where he came in, he got a lot of hype after his rookie season, then he had kind of an injury-prone year two, and year three, everyone was way down on Dalvin Cook, even though he was still the same dude in the same great situation, you know, that he was after the first year that got everybody so excited. Yeah, it's weird. The narrative has shifted entirely on Miles Sanders, even with being part of like an awful, awful situation last year. The hype was so big last year. And I remember saying last summer, like, oh, this is a player that I will have zero shares of because like I'm not going to draft him at what this value, what the cost is. And I'm never going to be able to trade for him because it was an absolute king's ransom prior to the season last year to trade for him. And now it's like he's totally left for dead, like an absolute <laughs> afterthought in the running back world. It's crazy how fast it changes. Um, kind of a, 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 I guess, further deep or further deeper down the list. Um, I think I, I'm finally on board with uh, a bit of a Damian Harris breakout. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's good you're getting this take in right before the draft. Yeah, right? yeah. Because oh, yeah. It, it, you might never be I able res- to have this take again. In I reserve the right to cancel the take. Okay. If, okay. Okay. <laughs> but if they don't, and I will watch, you know, biting my nails the same way I will for like the weird amount of Mike Davis shares that I've ended up on oh, rosters no. all over the place. How did you get all these Mike Davis shares? <laughs> Please tell me you didn't trade for them since he signed in Atlanta. No, 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 no. Okay, it's good. really not all these Mike Davis shares. It's like two Mike Davis shares. Okay. That's, it's, yeah, that's one more than I have. So. <laughs> But I don't know. I think that he was fairly impressive when he got the opportunity in New England Mm -hmm. last year. It's a weird offense in New England, and I'm still not convinced that – I don't think there's any guarantee that Cam is the guy, you know, heading into the season. But I'll be interested if if he falls or if they trade up and end up with Fields – Crazier things have happened. I like Harris. Then, if they don't, you know, invest a significant capital elsewhere at the running back position, I like him more than I like yeah. Sony Michelle. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you. I like Damian Harris. I I think as a prospect, right? I mean, all these guys like Harris, Jacobs, and Nasha Harris were all, I think, pretty much the same age. Damian Harris might be slightly older, right? Yeah. They were all on the same team. In the same backfield, yep. The same, you know, Nick Saban was seeing them all every day, and I believe they were all the same age. Harris might have been slightly older, and he decided, no, Damian Harris is clearly my best running back. That yeah. happened, right? Like Josh yeah. Jacobs was relegated as a situational back. Najee Harris barely played. It was the Damian Harris show at Alabama, and he played very well. I, I think he's a really good running back. You know, it's weird because my whole ethos is, you know, fade the situation. The talent always wins out. Uh, New England sketches me the hell out because they they just do they don't do things that make sense from a running back perspective. Like even Sony Michelle, who like I don't even know what happened to Sony Michelle. I don't know if someone poisoned him. Like he was good <laughs> at Georgia. Yeah, like, he remember was. that? And, and in remember that like one playoff run, like the rookie year? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like he he like fooled most people into thinking someone he was better than Mick Poisoned Chubb. him. <laughs> They did. They, someone poisoned Sonny Michelle because he was very good at Georgia. And especially, like, do you remember that draft? Like, do you remember the 2018 draft? Everyone was looking at it and saying, yeah, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. You know, Nick Chubb, probably a better pure runner. But Sony Michelle is an incredible pass catcher. Yeah. 
What happened? I don't know. But all purpose. He lost back, his mojo. He was, like, <laughs> I can. I, 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 I'm at a loss for words because I definitively saw him catch passes very well at Georgia. Like, yeah, happened. it happened. It so did happen. I don't <laughs> happen. I'm pretty sure it was him. I don't think it was DeAndre Swift. So, uh, like, I, I don't know. Damian Harris, I think, also could contribute in all phases, but I have zero faith that they will let him. I think that they will let him be especially after they re-signed James White. Uh, I, I assume that they'll probably use Damian Harris even in our best-case scenario, right, where he makes Sony Michelle entirely irrelevant. We'll probably see 14 carries for 70 yards and then no receptions and a touchdown that's been vultured by Cam Newton. That's my fear <laughs> with Damian Harris. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, now we're going into third year and – you know, is he that talented that he think he's going to overcome this as like a 25 year old eventually? I don't know. I, I still think he's a solid buy because he's, you can get him for like a third round pick. I think Cheap. I bought him for yeah. a 305. And just from a pure talent perspective, he's a way better running back than any running back you're drafting in the third round. Like I, I think he's as a prospect, I think he's the fourth best running back in this class. I think he's better than, I think he's a better prospect than Sermon and Kylan Hill and Chuba and all these guys, to me at least, because I think he can be a complete back in this league. Yeah. And exactly what you just said is how I've ended up with the, where, wherever I have him, it's because it's like, oh, it costs you something like the 305 or sometimes yeah. even later, like you are trading for him for pennies. Like it's costing you yeah. nothing. And I agree. In the third round or potentially even later, or even realistically, at the early third round, end of the second round, sometimes you're just shooting a shot on right. running backs. What, you better have JV and Hawkins? Get out of here. Yeah, that's the problem is that this year it's like, okay, you're shooting your shot, but you don't even have the running back to shoot your shot on that has the athletic traits, right? Like, no, you're nothing. shooting your shot on a guy who's like, well, hopefully someday the guy in front of him gets hurt and he gets the lead job. <laughs> right. It's like, well, if Jared Patterson, you know, grows 20 pounds and then runs, it's like, no, you know. I don't it's a, know. It's, it's a it's, weird situation. It really is. But aside from Sanders, who's a guy that, whether it's a rookie or a guy who's been in the league, that you think you're higher on than whether it's the consensus or just most other people that you see out there? Yeah. So there's Sanders is a big one. And then probably like the way I approach running back in startups is I draft one in round one almost always, unless I have like one of the top three picks. And then I'm taking a quarterback. This is super flex. Um, yeah. And then I'm almost always drafting running back around two. And I'm often drafting running back around three. So I, I almost always have two, at least two after the first few rounds. Then I pretty much ignore running back for a long time, right? So we're going to wade our way through on a running back journey. It's like we start off, all right, I'm going to draft Taylor. I'm going to draft Akers. And then I'm going to ignore it. And I'm going to let, you know, maybe I'll mix in a Sanders, but we're going to let all the Ronald Joneses, the Kareem Hunts, the Miles Gaskins, they get to go elsewhere. We bypass them. We draft wide receivers. And then when I start thinking about running backs again is when I see Tony Pollard, who is the guy that I have uh, very, very highly. I'm pulling up my ranks right now. I think I have him irresponsibly high. He <laughs> is, uh, he's actually my running back 30. Oh, that was it. He's my running back 30 in Dynasty. Uh, I, I believe in Pollard's talent to a large degree. He has the requisite size. He's flashed when he's gotten opportunities. He's been a more efficient running back than Ezekiel Elliott. And to me, there's two paths to value. Well, three paths to value for me with Pollard, right? So path number one is Zeke gets hurt. And now Tony Pollard 
is the lead back in probably the best offense in the NFL. In which case, like, if Zeke has a preseason ACL tear, where are you taking Tony Pollard and redraft? And is it, like, in the top five? It's really close. Like he's, he's like, like, <laughs> like we're, we're, really we're going to have a conversation close. about is Tony Pollard a first-rounder in redraft if Zeke was to go down in preseason? Oh, right? I think if Zeke goes down in preseason, Tony Pollard is almost unquestionably a first-rounder. Exactly. I think, I think the thing is, is is it like in the middle of the first round or is it near the turn in redraft? Right. But I think unquestionably it's a, it's first round draft capital. Right. So massive, massive like contingent upside. And then, okay, what if, you know, maybe Zeke doesn't go down for the season or whatever, but even if he just misses a couple games, which he's probably going to, because most running backs are probably going to miss a couple games. Then you're going to get an RB one for however many games he misses. Let's say it's two. You're going to get an RB one for two games that has value in and of itself. And then, also, he's probably going to look great because he always looks great because he is freaking great. So yeah. then he's then you're going to start a narrative, you know, where coming into the season after, it's like now it's going to be Zeke's age 27 season. They can cut him after that year. Tony Pollard looked really fantastic for a couple of games. You know, everyone's going to be wanting to stash Tony Pollard at that point, and you're going to get a little value bump. And then the last thing is, right, let's just say Zeke is not that great anymore because – he wasn't that great anymore last year per any sort of advanced stats. And maybe that was because the rest of the offense, you know, fell off. Maybe that was because of COVID and maybe he rebounds and he's the same old Zeke this year. That's totally plausible, but it's also, it shouldn't be like that far out of the realm of possibilities that a 26 year old running back who's been heavily used all the way back to being a 19 year old is starting to decline. And if he is, why wouldn't we see, you know, a, a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt style split? Because in this type of offense, if Tony Pollard just gets 10 to 12 touches a game weekly, that's like going to provide fantasy value. He's going to have a lot of touchdown upside because Dallas is going to score a ton. And he's a pass game weapon. So he's, his, his, uh, his touches are going to be valuable. And he could be a guy like a Naheem Hines or a Kareem Hunt last year, where even when they weren't the starting running back, you could start them every week as an RB2 or a flex, and they would give you, you know, serious upside week to week. So Pollard is a guy that I'm, I'm all about because he doesn't go that much higher. He goes in a similar range to, you know, these sort of questionable guys like, you know, Gaskin or Mike Davis or Leonard Fournette or these guys that aren't actually very good at all, but we're only drafting them because they might be starters. And then if they are starters, then they get to retain their value. And if they aren't, then we never, ever hear about them again. And he's not going that much higher than a guy like an Alexander Madison or a Daryl Henderson, who I think yeah. Pollard is better than those guys. Agreed. And, and right, like if, if Dalvin Cook goes down, we've seen Madison. Sometimes it's good when he plays the Lions, and then otherwise he's not actually that good. Yep. But he's he's like to me, he's like an RB two, right? Pollard can contribute in all phases of the game, and he's very good. So I'm I'm all about stacking Tony Pollard on my bench because to me, you can just take Pollard. Maybe he ends up being able to start for you. Maybe you never think about him again. And then all of a sudden, as he goes down, it's like Christmas morning for your Pollard shares. I love that because I don't want to say I'm like all the, I don't want to say I'm all the way out on Zeke, but I'm kind of all the way out. On oh, Zeke. good. Cause but, I'm so out on Zeke. <laughs> people hate me. No, I, it's weird that it's weird to me that the like prevailing thought is that he'll just be what he was, you know, two, three, four years ago yeah. again this year, because I don't see it. And I know that we're, you know, still figuring out or everybody's kind of navigating this COVID world where, you know, mm. who knows how long this stuff lasts or what, how, what the real recovery time is for, you know, a high level athlete like that. Right. But 
I think the much more likely scenario in the range of outcomes is we've seen the best of Zeke and like that changing of the guard is coming sooner than later. So where do you have Zeke ranked in in dynasty rankings? Yeah. Oh man, this is going to be trigger the internet. I want chaos. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I have Ezekiel Elliott RB 19. Oh, I love it. It's spicy because I just, (laughs) to me, this is my biggest issue with Zeke. So from like a value perspective, I see zero room to grow. Think about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry just had one of the best running back seasons we have literally ever seen, right? Mm -hmm. Probably one of the 10 best running back seasons of all time in his age 26 year. And his dynasty value was like this. Like it either went down a little bit, maybe up like a (laughs) tiny bit, pretty much just stayed the same. And he ran for 2000 yards. So Zeke now going into his same age season, you know, a year later in his career, because him and him and Henry were drafted the same year. If he runs for 2000 yards, we can reasonably expect his dynasty value to remain the exact same. And if he doesn't run for 2000 yards, which seems more likely, then we can expect his dynasty value to decline. To plummet. (laughs) So to me, like when people talk about him as a buy low, I don't really understand it because to me, the purpose of a buy low is you buy low and then you sell high. To get Zeke right now, it's it's you're buying low, and basically, I guess the, the theory is is he's going to produce as an RB one, and you can pay high end RB two prices for it. Like so, so the idea is you buy for a little bit lower, and then you will perform a little bit higher. But then he's still going to go down in value because he's an old running back. So I don't like I just don't really see the calculus on it, and to me, it's it's just way too possible. Yeah, that he's just like turns into dust soon because. The COVID thing, like you mentioned, that's the variable. But when have we ever seen a running back decline and then come back? Like people have said, you know, many people say, oh, the cliff is overrated. You know, why are you selling Cook? And why are you selling Kamara? To me, I am because I'm, I like to be proactive. But at least we haven't seen any signs of decline from Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara, right? right. So to me, it's much more plausible that a guy who's playing at an elite level continues playing at an elite level than that a previously elite running back who looked not elite then just magically becomes elite again. Like when have we seen it, right? Like what people thought was going to happen with Le'Veon Bell, it didn't happen. People thought it was going to happen with David Johnson, didn't happen. It's not going to happen with Melvin Gordon. Like once these guys start to go down, right? And may, some people last longer, right? Like maybe, maybe he's, maybe some guys are LaShane are LaShawn McCoy and they don't become bad until they're 30. But Either way, once you start looking not that good, you're just not that good. So I think that we're probably seeing a decline with Zeke, and I just don't want to be the person who rosters it. Yeah, I don't want to be left holding the bag. And truthfully, you're not you're not really that much lower on him than I am. I have I don't have him ranked as you know top twelve running back right now. I have him at RB sixteen, so I have him a couple spots ahead of you. Yeah, but I don't want to. I just, I don't want to get, it feels like there's no way. Like, it feels like there's no way. It feels exactly like you just said that you're going to end up stuck with shares of him. Like he got stuck with shares of Le'Veon Bell if you didn't move him. Stuck with him. Like he got stopped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And even if, even if you're buying, like there's, there's, I don't know. I just don't see it in the range of outcomes where it's like, okay, like you said, you're paying high RB2 prices for him right now. I don't even think you're getting the bump. Like, I don't right. even think that like 
I think that's best case is he produces like a high end RB two, and then what? And yeah, then trade him for RB three value the following season. Right. To me, I just don't get it. Like if you're if you're not like because you're not going to be able to resell for more than he is now. That doesn't happen. It's not how running back value works, right? Like right. We talked about the Henry one. And to me, if you're trying to just buy someone a little bit lower and you're, say you're a contender, right? People say, well, if you buy Zeke if you're a contender because you just want the production. If you want discounted veteran production, like why wouldn't you just rather have Aaron Jones? Mm-hmm. To me, like, right? Like he's, he's, this, he's slightly older. I think he's like six months older, but he was just the RB5 last year and he looks phenomenal and he just got a new contract. Like I would feel much more comfortable if I'm solely looking for, okay, I'm looking for 2021 and maybe 2022. And then I'm just accepting that this guy will fade to dust on my bench. Right. Yeah. I'm more comfortable doing that with Aaron Jones or why not just pay a little bit extra and get Derek Henry who just yeah. came off. Who's, you know, currently probably the best running back in the NFL. Like at least that guy, like, yeah, I think he's a sell generally too, because he's going to decline, but he hasn't declined yet. Like if you're in drafting in a best ball draft right now, I'm taking Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones before I'm taking Ezekiel Elliott for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I agree. It's, it's, you might as well trade for him. I said last year, I said, I'll sell Derrick Henry. I did sell Derrick Henry, plenty of Derrick Henry shares last year. Yeah. And it's like, damn it. Then he ran for 2000 yards, but it's like, well, I, you know, who knew? Who knew that was going to happen? Exactly. It was the human. right move at the time. Right. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Process process always wins. Yeah, man. Uh, the guy that I'm probably, and I'm not like super high, um, high on him, I guess per se, but I feel like higher on them most, and you had mentioned him before we went on the down the Zeke track, is Kareem Hunt. And I, okay. I, I the reasons are because – I feel like we've got to the point now where I don't have it in front of me. I forget what he finished as MPPR. I think it was like RB10 or RB11, something like that. Yeah. He was a back-end RB1. I know RB1 he was an RB1. After, after the Nick yeah. Chubb injury, which really wasn't even when he was at his best, right? In those games when Chubb was out, like no, he, he had the increased bad. opportunity, but he wasn't that good. Yeah. But it's just such a unique situation where they use him enough that he's going to be fantasy relevant. And the price isn't astronomical like it's not something that you have to go pay through the nose to get him and he's still not old and he's not getting run into the ground Mm -hmm. and i have him right now i'm trying to scroll and find his name but i have him as like i have him one spot ahead of zeke actually oh oh, so you're high yeah i have him as rb18 i have oh no i'm sorry that's right you have him at rb19 hold on Yes, I have Zeke at 16. I have Kareem Hunt at 19. My mistake. Okay, all right. So I'm three spots behind Zeke. Okay, that's that's <laughs> that's higher than me. I have him I have him RB twenty-five, which is probably more close to in line of consensus, but I I don't hate it. Yeah, it's you know, I I don't know. It's just a, a team that they're gonna run the ball enough. And yeah, they, they do will. this weird thing where they're gonna run the ball enough and they seem content sometimes to let Nick Nick Chubb just demolished defenses for three quarters and then in the fourth quarter it's like hey cream hunt's still fresh remember him and yeah. they just like let him close out games for whatever reason um yeah it's it's really annoying because i am <laughs> such a nick chubb guy like nick chubb is is well i mean jonathan taylor is now my favorite running back in the nfl because he plays for the colts but if he didn't play for the colts my favorite running back in the nfl is nick chubb and i roster a lot of him he's like the one running back that's 25 or older that i I'm willing to just like 
pay for at market value because I don't care because I think he's incredible. Yeah, he's great. And yeah, so maybe that's why I'm lowering Kareem Hunt because I like absolutely hate him. Like I hate <laughs> that guy. I hate him so much because I just want Chubb to get every possible touch. And then Kareem Hunt only takes the most valuable touches. Oh like yeah, they, it's weird. Right? Like they- <laughs> it's, it's so irritating because Nick Chubb gets all of these carries between the 20s that you don't care about. And then Kareem Hunt gets exclusively end-of-game rushes when you know they're going to run, passing work, and goal line work. That's the only time you see Kareem Hunt. And then the two-minute drill. So it's like, oh, do you want some high-value fantasy points? Kareem Hunt. Oh, would you like to plod from the 40-yard line to the 55? All right, Nick Chubb, we'll, we'll let you do that at six yards to carry. Yeah. Drives me nuts, but I agree. I think Kareem Hunt's probably, probably a value. It's weird because it felt like such a shock last year. It was last year, right, when Kareem Hunt signed the extension in Cleveland? I was like, oh, yeah. there's no way. Really, like, I came really bummed like, me out. Of, yeah, because <laughs> I was, like, prior to it happening, I was trading – trying to trade for Kareem Hunt everywhere. Cause I was like, Oh, Kareem right. Hunt is definitely getting like a legit lead back job. Again. Oh, I agree with you. I was all on Kareem Hunt last <laughs> yeah. year. But you know, such is life, I guess. At least it's a team that runs the ball enough that cool. it's like, all right, these two guys could both, I guess, sort of coexist. Well, here's a crazy thought. This is Chubb's contract year. Yeah. What, like there last year, every running back going into year four, either, well, I guess none of them actually held out, but all of them had like a holdout threat, right? So what if what if we get like a Nick Chubb threatens a holdout situation and then Kareem Hunt's ADP like skyrockets to the moon? Then that's an easy profit move, right? Yep, sell them. Or, <laughs> or what if he, you know, actually holds out? Doesn't seem plausible, but it's possible. Or what if he just doesn't resign Cleveland? And then, and then it's the opposite of what everyone thought. And Nick Chubb goes somewhere else. But they have Kareem Hunt under contract, and then Kareem Hunt gets to be the lead back in Cleveland next year. Crazier things have happened. It's it's crazier things have for sure happened. Well, the flip side is somebody you're lower on than most. It's always fun to be higher than you know oh, have yeah. your guy and be higher on than most. But who's somebody you're down on? Okay, so I'm I'm like real down on Josh Jacobs, uh, uh, but I won't even talk about him because everyone's down on Josh Jacobs now. <laughs> I'd like it noted. I I was down on Josh Jacobs before it was cool. <laughs> Uh, like back, I like back when it. they had an offensive line, I still didn't like Josh Jacobs. <laughs> I, I don't like Josh Jacobs any less. It's it's virtually impossible. I, I'll quickly mention that Josh Jacobs is my RB twenty three. So that's Woo! that's how low I am on Josh Jacobs. <laughs> I don't care about him. Uh, but I, I'll talk about another guy that I'm I'm lower on than consensus. Um, let me just scroll down here for a sec and see where it is exactly that I have this individual. Uh, yeah, it would be it would be Miles Gaskin, who people are talking themselves into once again uh, because Miami didn't sign a free agent. And I have Miles Gaskin. I scrolled down. I think I, he's an RB forty eight right now. And I just like last year was such a bizarre year where they had no one else on the roster, and so he got this really good role. Like maybe they don't draft a running back, but I'll tell you when I'm certainly going to be lower on consensus than Miles Gaskin. And if it's, if they don't draft a running back or if it's, they get some mediocre back, like I, I think he's worth not a lot. I would easily trade him for a high end second. If someone thinks that they're, they're winning the lottery and they're going to play before the draft. But if they draft like any of these guys, like a Chuba or a Kylan Hill or a Jamar Jefferson, any of those guys, like plenty of people are going to talk themselves into Miles Gaskin at that point. Don't count me among them. He's not even 200 pounds. 
He's not particularly fast. He's an okay pass catcher. He last year he was somewhat successful. You know who else was successful in that offense? Savan Ahmed. Are you gonna tell me Savan Ahmed is also good? No, neither of them are good. They just had a very friendly scheme that happened to be very suitable for running back talent. If they go and get Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, those guys are gonna blow Miles Gaskin so far out of the water, oh, yeah. you don't even know what you're <laughs> looking at. And there's no like Right, we're talking about these other 2021 running backs. People are like, oh, well, they aren't any special prospect. You know, they aren't as good as Miles Gaskin. Who the frick is Miles Gaskin? <laughs> like, you're telling me that Chuba Hubbard can't be you know, Miles Gaskin? Yeah, he can. No one even knew who Miles Gaskin was until the yeah. preseason. What? So there's all of a sudden, there's these people who are like, I've always thought Miles Gaskin was pretty good. No, you didn't. Yeah. Not, not a single person last preseason was like out here saying that Miles Gaskin there was not a peep about him. No. So get out of here. Like, I, I just, to me, he's obviously dead if they draft for those top three. But the reason why I'll, I'll say him is I just think that, I, I actually think that they won't draft one of those top three. And I, I can already see it now that people are going to talk themselves into him as like a low-end RB2 in Dynasty if they only draft like, a you know, one of those RB4 to 10 types. Yeah. And to that I say, they are already still better than Miles Gaston. So they're just going to all be the same status which is no status and no investment so i think he's he's he could easily be yeeted out of existence what do you think of, of gaskin he last year was like the perfect storm of kind of like we said about uh about uh james robinson having all the pass catching opportunity like miles gaskin when he was out there he was just getting all of the opportunity like they just didn't <laughs> right. have like a better option um i'm not far off i have him as rb 39 uh, but it's if we get to that point where they don't spend like significant draft capital on one of the top three guys, which I agree, I don't think they will either. Um, but after the draft, if that doesn't happen, I will happily sell him. I, I'll sell him now. I've, like you said, for I'd sell him for a mid second round rookie pick now if I could. But oh, absolutely. But after the draft, if people if the hype train starts rolling and people are like, well, Miles Gaskin's a thing, I'm cashing in. Anywhere that I have them, because I uh, I only have like two shares of them. I have zero, so it's just gonna make me mad. That's maybe <laughs> that's why I hate them so much. So I'm just so mad that I missed out because I'm a Brita guy, so I had a lot of Brita uh, last year. I hyped Brita up. I like Brita too. So, and I remember saying last summer, I was like, "Oh, Brita's the guy in this backfield. Like he is finally he's gonna pop in this backfield." And and you know what more. else you were saying? You were saying you were saying I think Matt Brita can beat out Jordan Howard. You know what you weren't saying? Miles <laughs> Gas because he didn't even exist. <laughs> So true. <laughs> the guy that I'm probably lower on than most. I don't want to even say probably lower on than most. I know I'm lower on than most because I feel like every time I bring it up, people are like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Is Austin Eckler. And yes, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm an Eckler hater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this I'm, is perfect. I'm always with people about Eckler. I, I've like gotten Twitter so mad about because everyone on Twitter is always like, everyone's down on Austin Eckler. I'm like, no, they aren't. Yeah. You all like him. <laughs> yeah, they all like him. I feel like I constantly see people say he's like RB12, RB13. I'm like, that is gross. That is so yeah. gross. It's so weird, the affinity that the internet shows for a running back who has never – he has one season where he's had over 404 receiving yards. The year with Phil Rivers where he was addicted to throwing the ball to the running back. Like, okay, great. He had 993 yards receiving. 
Yeah, but which was, he's, was the performance so good that they decided to let him walk yeah. because that was clearly how they wanted their offense to run. And then he's I, like, I don't know. I can't rank a running back. I get like pass catching upside. I get it. I get it. I get it. But he's never had 600 yards rushing in a season and he'll be 26. And I just, I see the chargers. I don't see it. I don't see, it. I see Herbert pushing the ball down the field. I see, you know, it being a Keenan Allen offense and a high-flying passing offense more than anything. But I'm so out on Austin Eckler. He just isn't the guy that I want to be rostering. Because I feel like anybody who has, like, the visions of him being a back-end RB1 or even, like, a super high-end RB2, I don't think it's happening. I just I, – I don't see it. No, I, I totally agree with you. They're, they've been my stealth team all season to draft a running back uh, because – Last year, that's a great point. Last year, it's the same thing I said about Sanders, where like last year everyone had a picture in their mind about Miles Sanders, and then it didn't really come true. But there's also no reason why the picture changed. Yeah. And to me, that's how I feel about Eckler, but in the opposite sense, right? Similar to Sanders, Eckler also was fine when he got on the field, uh, and he also missed a ton of time injured. But somehow Eckler has like risen in people's minds, but Sanders has gone down, even though Eckler is older, and even though he wasn't as efficient as Sanders, and then. Last year, everyone was like, okay, the Chargers, they're going to probably draft a running back because they need a heavy-hitting compliment to Eckler. And then two weeks in, do you remember when Josh Kelly was an RB1 for like, you know, <laughs> about a 30-second span, <laughs> right? Because everyone at the time thought Austin Eckler isn't a three-down back, so we need a two-down grinder. I guess that's Josh Kelly. Well, it turns out Josh Kelly is terrible. And then he got usurped by Kalen Balazs. So that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, and then Balazs, shocker, also was not the answer because he's Kalen Balazs. So, but now, because they tried to get an early down running back twice and failed while Eckler was injured, now he's immune from competition. <laughs> he earned his job by being hurt and then coming back and not being particularly efficient. So last year he was going to get replaced. Then they tried to replace him. The replacements didn't work. They still didn't use, like, they still used Balage over him at the goal line. Yeah. Kalen Balage. Gross. Kalen Balage. <laughs> right? Troy Main Pope was a person yeah. they gave the ball to. Yeah. That's not like a person that lives in the Vatican. That's a running back for the Chargers that they I remember to give like the, the three instead of Austin Eckler at times. I remember the three days of like Troy Main Pipe hope or Troy Main Pope hype on Twitter where it was like Pope yeah. goodbye. He's, he's a Pope hype sleeper. <laughs> yeah. I like that. No, I I'm with you with Eckler. Like it's ridiculous. Uh, he's a good player, but he is post yeah, he's, AJ Apex. He's fine. He's fine. He's post AJ Apex. He's a really good pass catching back. He has never once shown the ability to be a particularly good between the trunners, between the tackles runner. And he's like 199 pounds. And now people are talking him up as an RB1. Why? Like he, he lost the coach that had funneled targets to him bizarrely. Like last year, their offense got worse because they threw to him more, right? Like their offense was good when he was out because they just let Herbert run the offense. Yep. Then Eckler came in and they're like, remember Justin, when you were throwing deep and completing all those touchdowns, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to dump it off five yards every play to Austin Eckler. And then their offense got bad. Shocker. And now they went out and hired a new coach because that scheme wasn't working <laughs> after they got rid of the quarterback who throwing to him too much wasn't working. But now he will be unleashed as a true workhorse running back. It makes no sense to me. Uh, like they're going to draft someone because Josh Kelly is literally the worst. 
Yeah. Like, not figuratively, like actually literally, because there's a <laughs> chart out there that Ben Baldwin made that shows like it puts people in quadrants, right? It's like good running back or good rushing, bad blocking or good rushing, good blocking, whatever it has all those. And yeah. everyone's, you know, in a particular placement on that chart and everyone has their place. And then Josh Kelly has his own place. It's like, <laughs> You know, off it's the like, screen. <laughs> it's like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, and then all these other running backs, and then Josh Kelly. <laughs> like that's where he is. So he's gonna get replaced, and then someone else is gonna come in, and then that person is gonna be the guy that you're like, hey, they're at the goal line. Why isn't Austin Eckler on the field? It's because he was never gonna be on the field because he yep. is that guy. So I don't know why Naheem Hines would be drafted as an RB12. So I certainly don't understand why Austin Eckler is being drafted as the RB12. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I knew you got it. I knew we were on the same page. Oh, I'm trying to look <laughs> up a tweet that I had because there was a stat, so I'm going to screw it up but because I couldn't find it on uh, the advanced search. But he he had like 10 re- – or not like – he had 10 receiving touchdowns that majestic 2019 year. Yeah. So if you can think of all of the best pass-catching running backs in the last decade – from LaShawn McCoy, James White, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Todd Gurley. Um, I mean, name them, whoever, whoever you can possibly think of. I went through basically everyone that had been the most productive pass catching backs this decade. None of them had more than eight touchdowns in a year receiving. So Austin Eckler already was on a completely different level than them. And none of them, I think, had ever had more than six twice. So the odds that he ever repeats that are absolutely astronomical. Yeah. And he has, I believe it's is four career rushing touchdowns. I think it's like four or five, like in his career rushing. It's a very low number. He he basically doesn't score rushing touchdowns. I might have the number wrong, but whatever it is. It's, it's nine, but it's still low. <laughs> okay, so then maybe it was four over the last two years or five, something. But yeah, he had three in 2019 and then one last year. Okay, so that's what I was That's what I was saying. So it's four over the last two years. So there's no reason to expect that he's going to score more than, you know, four or five rushing touchdowns this year. Is he going to get a ton of passing touchdowns? Is he going to rush for a lot of yards? Like we have no basis for this. It's it's bizarre to me. It really is. It really is. Well, we'll wrap it up re- uh, real quick here. Drafts coming up. We got to get a prediction. Oh yeah. R- running backs going round one. You think Najee or ETN sneak in, or they both go round two? Yeah, I think definitely one goes in round one. Uh, I think it's it's been a really annoying argument on Twitter where people say, "Well, is Jonathan Taylor really that good?" Because you know, he didn't go in round one and Nasha Harris is going to go in round one. No, it's because last year there's so many good running backs. You could get a good running back around two this year. There's only three. So I think both Najee Harris and Travis Etienne go in round one because there's a lot of running back needy teams. And if you miss out on those three, then Mike Davis is your RB one. <laughs> Solid point. Well, before we let you go, Jacob, make sure to, uh, if anybody's not following your work or doesn't know where to check it out already, please plug all that so that they can follow you on Twitter and check out all the good work that you're putting out there. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. You can find some of my work up on uh, Join Our Circle Fantasy Intervention. And then uh, I have one article up right now on Player Profiler, but that's about to be multiplied, working on a new piece on why Baltimore is not that bad of a landing spot for a wide receiver. Uh, I know that, that that's been a take that I've been on for the last bit that's got people riled up. So we're going to do a deeper dive into that. And you can find me on the Full Tilt Podcast. We're doing a big breakdown um, of all things draft on Thursday. We're going to have a watch party. We're going to have a bunch of guests. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to have to drink a, a six-pack of Molson live on air. 
um, thanks to a, a slightly ill-advised uh, Twitter competition that I ran. So uh, you can check me out on that on Thursday. And then tomorrow night, uh, you can check out my usual show on Tuesdays with uh, Shane Manila and Chase Vernon. Awesome, man. And yeah, I look forward to joining you guys uh, Thursday night. I'll pop in towards the end. Uh, Absolutely. The draft. We'll have some fun. But I appreciate you taking the time to come on, and we'll definitely do it again, man. For sure. My pleasure. Thanks a ton for having me on, Anthony. Yeah, for sure. Have a good night. Absolutely.